welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again today. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a special quick take episode of the pod where for about 20 or 25 minutes, we feature one RSPA member who will speak at Retail Now 2021. If you're not familiar with Retail Now, it's the Retail IT Channel's number one trade show, education conference, and networking event. And it's scheduled for July 25th through 27th in person at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville. Retail Now will feature more than 20 education sessions and dozens of expert presenters, including today's guest. Today's guest is Danny Gold, the co-founder and CEO of Zoltrain, an online platform that educates retailers and consumers on cannabis products. Zoltrain is a new software developer member of the RSPA, and Danny is very active in the RSPA cannabis community. Danny, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jim. Yeah, great to be talking with uh, you again, and especially in this format where I get to pick your brain a, a little bit more. So uh, before we get going and talking about the issue at hand, if you can take a minute or two to introduce yourself to the audience, talk about your software background, how and why you launched Zoltrain, and what your plan is for the company going forward. Oh, there's a lot in there. I know you said we only have 25 minutes, and uh, as you know by now, I'm a talker, so we'll we'll compress it down. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, I say 20 to 25. It really comes down to when the guest stops talking. So knock yourself out. Two hours, two and a half hours. We'll see where it goes. <laughs> right, I have plenty of sunlight here to backlight me. Um, no, thanks again for for having me. I'm Danny Gold, uh, co-founder and CEO of Zoltrain. Um, my background is in software engineering, mainly B2B uh, enterprise software. Uh, for better or worse, that's been most of my career. Uh, so very familiar with um, you know channels and bar channels. Um, my previous startup was in the media and entertainment space where we heavily relied on um, VARs um, and, and uh, solution resellers and, and true value add doing a lot of complex build outs and installs. Um, on the Zoltrain side, we're not that complicated, but as cannabis evolves, um, we look forward to it kind of following that same trajectory and trend and would honestly welcome the help from, from the VAR community. Um, and I think that the retailers and brands and cannabis uh, need it and I think it'll continue to progress there. Um, um, said I'm an engineer by trade. Um, this is my first uh, foray into cannabis and really came across it uh, through one of my business partners who is a longtime operator who opened one of the first dispensaries in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and we're, we're mainly Denver based. We're a remote team. We were remote before the pandemic. We're, we're spread out. But, um, you know, kind of most of us are, are centered here around Colorado, uh, which is, you know, one of the earliest states and, and went through uh, medical to adult use. Um, and uh, Jan Cole, who runs the farm, this is really uh, her idea. I can take full credit for identifying the problem. Um, I'm pretty good at latching on to juicy problems and, and solving them is, is kind of where I fit. Um, and she had trained you know, hundreds and hundreds of retail workers, wanted to create a welcoming retail environment. It was just finding that education, education, education was the key. And it was lacking when you were dealing with um, you know, an entire industry that's new to consumers and the workers in it. There's a big gap in getting uh, consumers what they're looking for that needs to be solved through education. And you can't do it all in person and you can't do it all manually, can't do it all through job shadowing, um, which is where software solutions come in. Um, so I've got throughout my career, um, I've bounced in and out of educational technology, uh, which is an interesting thing. My parents are teachers. My wife's a teacher. Uh, must be in my blood, in my DNA. Um, actually, the only patent I hold is in educational technology. And I've never, this is the first educational technology specific company um, I've been a part of. But um, I've definitely uh, launched solutions in those spaces. We've supported higher ed um, and, and been in and around that space. So um, it's exciting to be kind of taking that educational tech, 
and just a super exciting space like cannabis where there's not another growth market um, and bringing some of that experience to it to uh, very new problems which keeps me excited and and you know keeps me up at night sometimes too much but uh right. <laughs> there's a lot to be done yeah, so that's I'm curious with a lot to be done. How do you balance everything that you have going on, right? From a, so a startup standpoint, a software standpoint, you mentioned about this accelerating market. I'm you know, almost vision envision like you're you're riding on a rocket and there's no seat belt and you're not quite sure where that rocket's going to be going. How have you been able to balance all those things? Yeah, I think more so than than anything I've experienced cannabis really is different almost day to day. I mean, I I think everybody experiences no matter how solid your market was every everybody got a taste of this unfortunately during the pandemic right whether your, your market could have been stable for 20 years and it was disrupted uh, almost overnight uh, that happened in cannabis as well uh, but cannabis just experiences that and i think it, it's just you know kind of the norm day to day because of regulation changes right um because uh, it's still federally illegal which cause, which which deals with a lot of the challenges we're dealing with is this complex interplay between state regulations and federal uh regulations um you have to kind of like it you know I, I think you have to like new problems and be motivated to solve new problems and not want to um, kind of have a lifestyle business that is a little bit repeatable um, you have to find those threads you know for any business to be successful you have to create a scalable repeatable business um, but i think more so in cannabis you've got to be able to pivot constantly um, and not just because you got a new idea and you're chasing the shiny new thing because the industry literally changed for you overnight there is you know a new law here in colorado I would say every 18 months to two years, the cannabis regulations are rewritten. Uh, perfect example, delivery. Um, you know, just last month, uh, delivery um, was kind of opened up in Denver and those licenses are gonna be granted. So now everybody's gotta figure out how does delivery fit in? We've got 10 years in this market of how to operate cannabis retail, um, but we don't know how to do delivery. Uh, so we can look to California in these markets, but that's gonna upend, you know, the, the market here in Colorado overnight. So um, I don't have like a magic five steps of like wake up and eat a banana and go for a run. Those are probably good things to do. Um, those probably help <laughs> deal with the resilience, but you've got to have that flexibility and it's that balance, you know, startups, the one of the kind of anti-pattern failure modes of startups and startup founders. And, and, you know, I've been guilty of this is not having focus, right. Of getting excited about ideas and chasing those and leaving a lot of half built projects that probably could have been successful that you didn't come back and nurture. Um, you almost have to have to be willing to do more things and pivot more quickly in cannabis, but, um, in those areas, that focus is even more important because you have to create those measurements to say, is this going somewhere? It's, it's, it's always that risk um, of, uh, you know, when you talk to, to businesses, how long is this going to be the reality? We may not know. Is this a six month reality? Is this a two month, a two year reality? Or do we think this is going to be OK for the next five years? Those are the things that we're looking at. And sometimes you do jump on things where in a normal business, you might say this needs to be a five year plan. And Canvas, we're good if we feel like we're going to be able to do this thing for two years. Like that's a good bet. That's a solid, stable bet in our industry if we can say we think that that has legs for two years in there. Um, but you don't want to chase the things that you know are only going to be a, a quarter or two older that you know this is going to be a big change coming down. So, um, so right. it's a good thing. It's always risk. You know, it's 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 some complex equation um, that balances that in there. But I think the timeframes are much shorter. Um, you can't make as long bets. You can make a long bet that the industry is here to, to stay, which I think it is. Um, but for instance, how would you make a bet on federal legalization right now? 
um, I could pull a hundred of our customers and get different answers in there. So you can't really bet your business on that. And a lot of businesses are betting that it's not coming for a while and that the states will hold on to that. And a lot of business plans are built on that because federal legislation is going to upend a lot of current businesses and lead to more consolidation. So eat a banana, go for a walk, you know, <laughs> stay healthy, try to get some sleep, but <laughs> be willing to roll with some punches more so than other industries for sure. Yeah, it's tough enough a startup in a mature market, but a startup in a essentially a startup vertical that has, you know, oodles of regulations and, and emerging regulations around it makes it more difficult, which is why at Retail Now we uh, set a track that's called Emerging Market Cannabis. You're part of that education track at Retail Now is one of the featured panelists for a session that's titled Everything You Need to Know About Canatech in 45 Minutes. So I'll limit you to five minutes here so you don't steal your own thunder from the show. But if you can give us a quick preview, what's what's one of the topics you plan to share with the VARs, the ISVs, and the vendors who are going to attend your presentation in Nashville? Yeah, I think there there's a lot of interesting things. If you're a VAR in um, retail and you're coming in to a heavily regulated market like cannabis, where regulations are changing, um, I think the biggest thing to to know is state by state, it's still different, right? Because it's federally illegal, you have to know which states you want to operate in and maybe make a plan for states that operate similarly. Um, you know, a simple one there would be adult use, right? Some people would say recreation. We don't like to use that term very much, but adult use market. That's another thing we can talk about is, is the terminology and <laughs> not some people back on that. But, um, you know, maybe you just focus on adult use markets because the, the medical markets maybe are, are smaller and less licenses um, and you kind of look there. Um, different states have different required um, seed to sale tracking software. So um, you, that, that's one of the key things that, that you just kind of get aware of uh, to start. And I would normally suggest that you don't start there. Um, but uh, as far as trying to sell those solutions or, or tie too closely to it, but in different states, there are required systems that you might have to interop with and, and understanding those and understanding that you probably can't change those. Um, and, and you might have a better solution, but if it's not that and it doesn't integrate with that, um, that's a non-starter. Um, I think is is one of the big challenges. Um, but I think overall, what is your boots on the ground plan? Because I, I think the lead funnels that people are used to don't exist in cannabis, meaning it's almost impossible to get a stakeholder on the phone. Um, you know, I, I would say that COVID has changed that a bit. People are more likely to be on on Zoom, but these people are are, you know, firefighting in the store level, a lot of them are, are doing customer service. They would be bud tending one minute um, and then you're trying to get them. I see this all the time. I'll be talking to a stakeholder, I'll be talking to a retail manager and they'll, and they'll pause and take a phone call and take an order or say, oh, sorry, I've got to go up to the register um, and check somebody out. Um, you know, that whole startup in a, in a startup, they're all startups, they're all wearing too many hats. Um, and I'll tease out maybe for, for later in this podcast, why I think they're spread so thin, um, some other things to look at. Um, but you know, I think you've just got to understand state by state what systems are required, where the openings might be, you know, and, and then how do you get to that person? Um, probably take some different tactics. It's not going to be as much cold calling. Um, there's not as many lead lists to buy. Um, you know, it's very relationship driven. So can you find partners that have those relationships, that have people on the ground that know that? Uh, that you can help work through? Or are you willing to deploy people there that can walk store to store um, and, and kind of get that FaceTime with people? Um, I think it's probably something that's, that's a little bit surprising from a normal uh, channel that you'd operate in. 
Yeah, no, I, I think you, you said that well, because there's so many different things that go into it. The thing I've been, the analogy I've been using is a lot of folks who serve the restaurant industry and they say, oh, I'd like to start serving, you know, coffee houses, right? That's a pretty, not easy, nothing's easy, but a, a more natural pivot. But you can't just pivot to like, I think I'd like to try the cannabis market because of all those regulations that go into it and all the totally different world that you have to get into of theirs. I guess, are you seeing it that same way as well? Like you have to make a significant commitment. Like you can investigate it obviously with, with your left hand, but if you're gonna go, you gotta make a significant commitment because it's far more complex than, than any other market. Absolutely. And I think the, the thing to look at is the seed to sale, the point of sale, right? When you, when you go into that restaurant or coffee shop, maybe they've got Stripe or Toast or, or any of these things that are, that are pretty ubiquitous out there. Um, none of those, for a variety of reasons, are, are operating in cannabis. Um, so you're going to see these proprietary point of sales that integrate with state systems um, to track the sale of plants because it's such a highly regulated product um, where you're dealing with it all the way through that, that true seed to sale. Like you've got to track that product came from this batch um and you know if there's an issue in it they got to roll it back which you can say the fda has got in a lot of food if you see a recall there but most of that's taken care of for you those systems are already in place you can sit on top of them um it's so early in cannabis that there's a lot of proprietary systems out there and they're not always um the most robust right now you know they, they were kind of the first movers still um you know we're in the second wave of them but there's a lot of systems out there that um, may not have, you know, the the APIs that you want to talk to or, or anything else for to make that integration easy. So I would in general say, get smart about the point of sales and the seed to sale and understand that state by state. Um, but maybe don't start there, you know, look at what are the systems that don't require those touch points that can get you in where you can solve a pressing problem for that retailer that doesn't require as much touch points, um, you know, kind of get that trust with them and then work in. Um, don't try to point push your, your fancy point of sale or something that touches that point of sale. Uh, that's where it gets the most complicated in cannabis right now. Yeah, if you had to, in order to settle a coffee house, you had to track bean to sale right all the way back to <laughs> Columbia or wherever it comes from, that adds a, a major level of complexity and that's what's going on in the cannabis world. So let's pause here to let our listeners and viewers know uh, that we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star and Shift4 Payments. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. To receive the benefits of RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.com. Dot org. And again, uh, don't forget to save the date for Retail Now 2021, July 25th through 27th in Nashville. Retail Now is where the industry meets. All right. So speaking of Retail Now, there's another breakout session in that cannabis education track called Seven Elements of a Successful Cannabis Bar. And so you read an advanced copy of the RSP ebook that details those seven elements that's going to be coming out uh, in June. That ebook is what message would you like to send or what advice do you have? to VARs listening to us who are interested in winning business in the cannabis vertical. And you might've touched on it a little bit earlier. Yeah, I think, you know, some of these things are, are overlapping with where to start, where not to start. So I think we hit that on, on the point of sale. Um, I think another thing to, to understand when maybe you're looking at qualified leads and you're researching, who do you wanna go after? Is it a single location? Is it a multi-location? Are you trying to go after some of the bigger MSOs? And you can kind of think about that as single location store or maybe, you know, two to, to 10 or, you know, hundreds, which we've got MSOs out there that run hundreds of uh, retail orgs and vertically integrated, right? Where they might have a grow, they might 
create edibles and process uh, the cannabis into finished forms and have retail? Um, you know, where do you think you want to target? Um, I think something that was the most surprising to me um, that hopefully everybody doesn't have to learn on their own and, and can kind of dive into to those of us that have tripped over this is it's not apples to apples. Uh, the size of the business you might think and what that means from resources to budgets to headcount to the structure of the organization that you're selling into, um, you can't compare it to any other industry. Um, and, and I'll tease out a, another thing to, to kind of do homework, go look at. Look at 280E. Um, you know, it, to overly summarize what's going on in cannabis, um, there's a regulation 280E, which basically means cannabis companies don't have the normal tax deductions that any other business operating in the U.S. has. Um, what that means is their margins are much skinnier than you would think. So if you look at, um, you know, maybe you, you you pull some comparisons from some of the publicly traded ones and you're looking at here and you're like, wow, look at the revenue this company's throwing off. Or maybe you get them to tell you, oh, you know, we're a dispensary doing 10 million a year or we're a brand doing 40 million a year. If you've been, if you've, if you've worked in, you know, B2B and, and bar channels for a long time, you might have a, a instant thought of what size that company is, how many employees they have how many directors and VPs they have and the kind of um, you know, people you're gonna be selling to. Um, it's not gonna be that. that that's the thing that, I, that's, that's the most important lesson I've learned is working with some you know, moderately sized uh, cannabis brands from both the retail and the brand side. Um, they don't have the staff you would expect and that's gonna impact how you do business from who you're selling to, from who is gonna operate the solutions you put into place and who you're gonna have to train just just cut it in half if not more and I, I would think it's more of like a fourth that company probably feels like a company that's 25 percent the size you expect them to be and they probably have 25 percent of the headcount you would expect um and you're, you're going to get frustrated pretty quickly um if you go in there and you think that they've got people that you can train to operate it um i would say to summarize all of that one of the big things we see are managed services are really what a lot of these companies want. Um, they want you to come in, set it up, um, and then maybe even operate most of it remotely. Of course, there's gonna be people doing and interacting with the equipment day to day, um, but you're not gonna have that counterpart there uh, who you can train and call on. Um, I'm not stacking up a lot of issues. There's also a lot of churn in this industry. So if you do train that person, they may not be there when you need them um, after you've trained them. So I think just understand that these businesses because the federal regulations are operating on very thin margins compared to what you would expect. They're not staffed to the level you would expect. And that's gonna change how you support them, how you sell into them, um, and how you talk about your offering. Because if you offer something that looks like a burden to them, that they have to do almost anything with, that's gonna be a hurdle. Um, and you can walk away frustrated with that, but there's not a lot we can do about it until that 280E law could be other things, but for me, that's the one. Um, just for anybody that wants to understand why this is, I think that's the simplest one to look at. Um, is that that those that lack of deductions means that their margins are, are a lot thinner than you'd expect. Yeah, I almost picture somebody says, "Oh, I have a meeting with this uh, dispensary. I'm meeting with the operations manager, the director of purchasing, the director of technology, you know, their IT director, as well." And only one person walks in the room. You're like, yeah. "Where's everybody else?" And I'm like, "Well, it's me. Like, like I, I do it all." Yep. Um, That's it. And just, just to reiterate, so you said 280E, is that right? Just to, for yep. folks who want to look it up, 280E, and then you mentioned MSO. What is MSO again? Oh, yeah. So multi-state operators. So. 
an interesting thing it's um you know we're federally illegal here uh you have to have a license in every state so every state um you know operates their own licensing body to to issue licenses you can't move product across state um a fun thing if you ever want to read about it is think about how those first plants get grown this is like the the industry uh kind of insider chuckle of uh what they call like immaculate germination or something like that it's like how did you sprout that first plant in that state if you can't move plants between states uh, <laughs> seeds in there that's just a, a funny aside if you want to think about how complex this is and we have you know you, you can't possibly operate fully within the the federal framework there um because some somebody planted that first plant in that state um somebody got those uh those strains there um but mso's multi-state operators uh, are people that have licenses in multi-states whether that's through complicated corporate structure that allows them to do it or um, a lot of them are publicly traded on on uh, foreign exchanges like the Canadian exchanges there um, and these are people that um, are essentially franchising businesses is, is, is one of the better they, they wouldn't consider them franchising because they still own them all but that's how they kind of have to operate right you're going to see the same logo and the same branding across dispensaries or brands in multiple states even though those products have to be grown separately in every state from that seed to sale um, you can't have a big cultivation, um, you know, outdoor in California and move that product to New Jersey. Um, you have to set up your own vertically integrated grow processing and retail in, in New Jersey. So multi-state operators, and there, there's a few out there. There's a lot of consolidation. So there's more literally every week right now. Um, those companies, you know, if, if you're if you're looking to get the, the bigger fish and, and um, go after bigger businesses that are creating repeatable processes and probably repeatable uh, service stacks, those might start to feel more like a traditional business. They still, you know, are subject to 280 and all the other restrictions that we're talking about, um, but they are bigger players. Um, they are trying to kind of um, clone stamp and, and, and make these repeatable businesses. Um, that's what I really mean by the franchise there. They're trying to make it as, as similar as possible in these different areas. Uh, but those multi-state operators do have businesses, own licenses in different states, or sometimes they just have partnerships through wholesalers in those different states where they like, they might just license the brand and it might differ state by state. So um, they might white label, um, you know, their gummies there, but when you see it on the shelf as a consumer, Maybe you went into a dispensary in California, Illinois, and Colorado, and you saw the same product. Um, it may look a little different because there's also unique packaging restrictions. Per state. Right. You, 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 can't, you can't make anything consistent here in cannabis because state by state, but you might recognize that brand name, um, and, and those are kind of the multi-state uh, operators that are out there, um, either on the grow, retail, or um, you know, on the infused product side, the, the edibles and the different Got products. It. Well, thank you for explaining that and then introducing our audience to the phrase immaculate germination. That's just, that's, uh, it's <laughs> tremendous. Um, my last question for you, Danny, is so there's another, again, part of the cannabis education track. There's another retail now session called Mistakes VARs Can't Afford to Make in the Cannabis Market. So if you were part of that presentation, what warning would you give to the resellers in the room? And so just so you know, before you answer, I'm just gonna keep running through the retail now agenda until I stump you and that's how we're gonna end this. Just so you know, then the next session's asking about CPOC, SPOC and blockchain. So you might wanna yeah. just totally might got, wanna skip over that one. I've got my opinions on blockchain, but uh, they might not be relevant here. And, and that's probably a pretty <laughs> polarizing subject right now. <laughs> got it, but what, so what advice would you give uh, for VARS? What mistakes yeah. they, uh, that, they, that they should avoid in the cannabis market? So I think um, it, it's an interesting market with interesting personalities. I, I think the 
and it, and it probably differs between the the MSOs and and maybe some of the the single state operators and and kind of um, you know traditional operators, but. I don't think experience outside cannabis is valued much in cannabis yet. I think experience inside cannabis is is highly valued because of all the things we're talking about. Can you operate? Do you have a proven track record? Um, you know, in this industry, working through the challenges. You know, I, I think the most challenging thing you'll have is your first sale or your first three to five sales. Um, you've really got to work those, and I'm I'm sure that's true anywhere. You need those case studies, um, but it's going to be pretty hard to lean on. We've been in business for 20 or 30 years and here's our impressive clientele and other retail markets um, that might resonate with some of the executive levels at the mso's that are also coming from those industries and they might seek some of that out but in general when you're selling to the the majority of businesses in cannabis they're going to look for experience in cannabis you know they're, they're going to ask um, on you know a, a big sales day the 420s the fourth of july we got memorial day coming up you know, did you have uptime last year on that day? They're, they're going to bring up their pain points of anytime somebody's uh, brought in a new solution. Um, how has it burned them as a business owner, as a business operator? And, and can you prove, um, you know, your stability and a track record inside cannabis? So um, I think it goes in one area that the other or might even just leave a sour taste in people's mouth when we talk about our experience outside. There, there's a little bit of distrust of that still. There's a lot of operators that you got to realize that have been burned by those solutions there. So, so they're living that. That's hurt their bottom line. You know, maybe uh, their point of sale or some key system went down on the biggest sales day of the year, and that impact their revenues. So they want to talk about that. They're going to be thinking about that. Um, so, I think the biggest mistake is is thinking that you can take those wins outside of that. You've got to find um, for those first couple of sales, right? find people, um, gather cannabis industry experience onto your team or partner with it and go in with that. Um, just don't go in um, without that talking about your wins elsewhere um, because I don't think it'll uh, it'll do you any justice in those conversations. Yeah, it's almost like I can't remember the name of the, uh, it's some you know digital TV show, but it's a, a successful football coach goes and starts coaching soccer uh, over, uh, over <laughs> yeah, go, going overseas. Like it just doesn't translate uh, that way. Just you can talk about, oh, here's what I did and how many first downs. It's like, well, we're looking about goals here, right? That's, that's way different than what it is. It translates to a hilarious television series, but that's probably not your goal if you're a VAR going into a camp. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, you're not looking at people point and laugh at you. Uh, right. You're looking to make a sale, uh, definitely. So, well, good. Danny, it was so good to talk with you today. And it's funny because you and I have a lot of conversations. I feel like we know each other well, but we've never actually met each other, right? Because right. this, you know, RSA started, RSA started building out our cannabis community during the pandemic. We've grown it to now 141 uh, individuals as of uh, this taping. We've done that all with a lot of the folks on there we've never met face to face. So it'll be nice to meet you in person at the show. Absolutely. We look forward to seeing you in Nashville, which is close to my home turf. So uh, we'll see you there. Wonderful. Well, that does it for this quick take episode of The Trusted Advisor. We hope you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and The Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. And be sure to register for Retail Now 2021. Again, that's July 25th through 27th at the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville, which will feature a diverse high-tech expo hall, plenty of networking opportunities, and several great education sessions, including everything you need to know about Canatech in 45 minutes with featured panelists, Danny Golden. I think Danny will stick around afterwards if you want to ask him a few more questions and go beyond the, the 45 minutes. For all the details on the show, visit the website at gorspa.org 
forward slash retail now. Before we go, thanks again to Danny Gold for sharing his wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSP marketing manager, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music. And last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point of sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.